have asked him for that one, but I wasn't really bothered. Oh, that's recording, yeah. <coughs> How we doing, guys? How's the volume on that? What, what, what? Yeah, it's good. I'm picking it up anyway. If it's not, I'll be going right into Logitech and asking for my money back. <laughs> it's for 120 euro fucking um, camera. Hey, Logitech's very good, very reasonably priced. It's probably one of the best on the market. Mm. The camera's great, like. The camera's um, great. I have no affiliation with Logitech. I'm not getting paid to say that. No. This podcast is not sponsored by Logitech. Or anyone. Fleshlights.com. Remember when Joe Rogan was sponsored by Fleshlight? No. Yeah, he used to do it. Really? He used to do it at the start of the podcast, yeah. The best one is Ben Shapiro. But first, and he goes into the whole spiel, he's like the best one for, what do you call them, the fucking sponsorship promotion crack. For who? For himself, for, for whoever he's representing. Mm. Oh, I just had a crack in the back. Nice. I'm feeling that. Oh, it's nice lovely. No. So what's the story anyway? What is the story? In Balamori. Level four in the morning. <coughs> Fuck off. I think so, is it? No. No? Where'd you hear we're this? Con- we're considering it, no? I thought that was looking like it. Like you said. I think people have woken up to they the They soften us up. They soften us up, yeah. It keeps talking level five just to throw level four at you. Yeah. Oh look, I just think people are fed up now. It's just fucking the statistics for total mortality over the last five years hasn't really changed. And as I just said here earlier, mm. viruses compete to kill the weakest in society. So COVID just seems to have killed people earlier this year, rather than influenza. The end. I'm the story. Yeah, I just need so. to sort of get with the program of living, not living in fear. How's the gym going then? Uh, look, problem for all businesses. You probably noticed yourself. <coughs> is the media narrative of fear works on a lot of people and people then are afraid to live their normal lives including activities like gyms and places of worship restaurants anything where there's more than one person so it's killing the economy yeah <coughs> did you see that video of the orthodox jews in fucking new york giving out yeah it's interesting and did you see the actual fact that there's private cops going around taking photographs in the windows to see if there's people in there congregating? Mm-hmm. But look, New York seems to be a shit show. If you follow anything about American politics, their fucking mayor is a fucking idiot. De Blasio, or whoever the fuck his name is. So, you couldn't mm. make it up. You really couldn't, could you? Tickles, doesn't it? Just a little bit. It's like anything else, it's just all about letting go, not resisting. 
<laughs> Relax. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. So, how long are you podcasting? Six weeks in now. I did that first video over two months ago, and then kind of had to go back, get some equipment and shit like that, you know, get ready to go, yeah. But it's going well. Young, um, young Jack Kelly there, his, uh, his episode's doing really well, like. Is it really? Yeah, because yeah. he's a lot of, I guess he's a lot of friends, a lot of followers, guys his age are, like, you know, they're on the social media quite a bit, so. Yeah. The people are interested. People are interested, yeah. Bradford classes are booked out, despite all the bullshit that's going on, you know. Monday's full, I've got one space left for Wednesday. Really, yeah? Yeah. Mm. It's very interesting, actually, because the course I'm studying is going into Pranayama, so I guess it's looking at what Wim Hof would have been, um, what Wim Hof would have studied before he came up with his technique. And so a lot of it, it is doing the same breath work. Um, <coughs> Is doing the same breathwork technique through the nose, so. Right. <laughs> as opposed to with the mouth. And there's another thing um, that breathing through the nose has been proven better than the mouth. Well, I'm actually enjoying it more. For me, with my broken nose from boxing, uh, I always shied away from it, but the course, the certification I'm studying is primarily all nose work, so. Nose work. Well, what you want. Nose breathing, so yeah. This is nice. Pranayama, what does it mean? Pranayama, so pranayama is life. It's like life force. And yama is, I don't know, I was just studying this yesterday, connecting with it. So it's the art of moving life force within. And there's all different, there's all different forms of pranayama. So you have like holding your breath on an inhale, holding your breath on an exhale, and holding your breath in the middle, which is the most difficult. That's what you do in Wim Hof retention, deep breaths, and then you leave the, the retention, you just let go. So when you let go, your breath's sitting in the middle. <coughs> your air capacity sitting in the middle as opposed to being empty or full, halfway, and then just sit with that for as long as possible. Now it's interesting doing that without rounds, like just <coughs> taking a half exhale, through the nose and just sitting. So is pranayama then like chi? Pranayama is chi, yeah. So what would that translate to in the modern world? Energy. Yeah. Connecting with the energy, connecting with the energy through breath, feeling your own energy sources through these breathing techniques. And I wonder to explain it. He said you can't explain, most people can't explain how um, a flame, or heat generates a flame, and then creates a burn. We understand you need three things, you know what I mean? Oxygen, oxygen fuel, and heat. Mm. But you can't actually explain it, most people can't, the actual process. Just like you can't explain the process of energy within the body, whether you call it pranayama, chi, <coughs> whatever. Yeah, so, as in like when you die, that energy leaves your body, that energy came in when you were born, the life force, like your your soul. Your soul, yeah. So what is a soul? Is a soul mm. what's his <coughs> name? What's that Penrose guy? There's Penrose guy, is there? Sam Penrose, is it? No no. I think it's Penrose. He's a physicist. He's an old dude now. And he thinks consciousness is another dimension. Just like time and space. 
Mm-hmm. And we are the receivers of consciousness. Ah, so consciousness is another dimension. Just so you, like a radio receives a radio signal. Ah, so when you think uh, a lot of spiritual types, you hear about 5D, five-dimensional consciousness. Have you heard about 5D? No, go on. Ah, you haven't heard 5D, so it's like... <laughs> 5D is the concept of raising your vibration so that through meditation, um, whatever you, your uh, hum- humanity is now shifting into the fifth dimension. This is the thing, it's a shift in consciousness, so the consciousness shift is going to 5D. But I don't think it's a shift going forward, I think it's a shift going back. You're going back to traditional way before, you know, the primitive. Before, like, what would you call it? Newtonian science came in, in and discounted. In, in my head, right? Yeah. It, it's it probably shouldn't even be based within time, forward or back. Yeah. Because if you're talking about another dimension, then you're actually talking about another space. Yeah. So then you can't really apply that sort of way of thinking to it. You can't apply, say, the way of time and space. So you're going for You're going. You're not going forward or back. You're just going. You're to going another. Ascending into another place. So say, yeah, it's it's interesting, but then is that. <coughs> Is that something that different cultures have already understood? That's what I mean by going back. So that, like, um, you know what they call it, the New Age. Well, I don't. So you know the New Age, New Age hippies, New Age movement. Whereas Terence McKenna called it the Archaic Revival. You're uh, reviving that which is ancient. So he's getting back to all these techniques that were there, these rituals, different ways of um, breathing. Because what Wim Hof isn't doing is what he's doing isn't new. No, no, he's just bringing it into the Western world. Yeah. yeah. So mostly what Wim Hof does is what's called Tomo, isn't it? Is it Tomo, yeah? Which is that sure. fire breathing to raise mm. your body temperature so he can do all his Iceman tricks, we call them. Yeah. Now, the reason why he call them tricks is because any human can be taught to do it, I suppose. Mm. Technique. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, when you talk about, say, archaic revival, it reminds me of things like, I don't know, we just say mathematics or jujitsu, right? Mm. To say maths wasn't created, you're merely discovering it. Yeah. Just like jujitsu techniques, you're not creating them, you're just discovering what's already existent. Yeah, it's something that's already there. So when you talk about yeah, new age hippies and stuff, you're just tapping it's into something that's already there. It's just it's lost knowledge, I suppose. Mm. <coughs> then is jujitsu exactly. is jujitsu lost knowledge? It's interesting. Like if you look at, we'd say, pancreation, pancreas, uh, the very first, we'd say, stuff back in the (coughs) Olympics, Mm. where you had bare knuckle boxing, you had wrestling, and then they partook in pancreation, which is no holds barred. Were they using these techniques? See, it's an instinctual thing, isn't it? But it's it's refining the technique and slowing down and looking at it. That's where the jujitsu side comes in, and that they've refined stuff, you know? Because like Japanese jujitsu had a lot. Like had a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu techniques, really, you know? Well, one gave birth to the other. Yeah. Really all it was, was what, what's that judo lad's name that went to um, Brazil after World War One or two, was it? Uh, I don't know. And he's the one who taught the Gracies. Jesus, tattoos are always, it's always the anticipation is worse. The first 30 seconds I was like, oh fuck. And then, you know, now I'm like, ah. Eh. Are you really? Yeah. 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 I get into that little rhythm. Mmm. It's like the ribs. I was shitting it for the ribs, and then once it starts, once the needle is in, I was like, ah. I guess the thing about the ribs is, if you're getting a big piece and you're sitting with it for hours, it starts getting grueling after a while. 
I think it's the breathing. <coughs> yeah. Breathing into it. I think when you take a breath, it feels like your ribs are expanding into the needle. Ah, yeah. So shallow breathing. And then if you're shallow breathing, it's probably going to increase the pain level. Mm, so because you, you can't relax. You can't, you as you say, the deep belly. In. Yeah. Deep breathing into your hot dan chin. Into the dan chin, yeah. The equilibrium, the center of balance for an athlete. Yeah, yeah, you're starting to talk about that here once and we never got into it. Yeah. So Nicholas Gregoriades talks quite a lot about it. Does he really? Yeah. Focusing on your Dan Tien. Yeah. <coughs> you focus on that spot um, to find your balance in Jiu Jitsu. So if you're in your head, you know, you're thinking about going forward in your technique, then like unconsciously you might be moving your head in a direction it shouldn't be going. You're putting yourself off balance because of what you're thinking about as opposed to always having your balance centered here it's like when he talks about conceptual based jiu-jitsu so conceptual based jiu-jitsu is looking rather than spending all your time drilling techniques you work on new concepts so like the table concept is that basically a table has four legs so it's stable so what you want to do is take one leg away from someone and then put their weight into that area so rather than drilling a sweep a hundred times or a thousand times and um, understand that concept and then you can create your own sweeps and you it doesn't even have to be a sweep basically you can just put someone's weight into that area and take away one of the frames on that side and then go and obviously that's what a lot of the sweeps do but it's breaking down how they work looking at it from that perspective and then saying okay I understand this concept I have a few techniques but then I can also in the moment create them based off understanding these concepts. So that's conceptual based jiu-jitsu. Him and Kit Dale are big fans of it. So body mechanics. Body mechanics, yeah. Kit Dale is like, don't drill. He was an anti-driller. But Anti-drilling, but then if drilling has been proven to work. Yeah, it does. Of course it does, like, you know. So can all like things not work in, yeah, in and with each other? I guess it was good marketing for Kit Dale, wasn't it? It's good marketing itself, but at the end of the day, you know, George St. Pierre never did conceptual based jiu-jitsu. Neither did John Danaher when he was training him. You know, it's drilling, 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 drilling. Who's going to win the grappling match, Gordon Ryan or, Jordan, or uh, Kit Dale? Uh, I don't know enough about either, but I'm going to guess Gordon Ryan. Yeah, Gordon Ryan's going to win, yeah. He has beaten him, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But you see, isn't that not because they say, is it you only, you only use 10 or 20% of what you've learned in a fight so mm. you're trying to drill it so it becomes subconscious yeah so you're not thinking about it. it's muscle memory so then if you're talking about we'll say focusing on your equilibrium is that mm. some way to try and tap into uh, what do you call it, a flow state yeah what you're doing is you're uh, you're centering your balance at all times your awareness is on centering your balance so that when someone tries to sweep you you're not giving input you're not going that direction and look it's a good idea because it always works but you know, if you're a black belt and you've spent 10 years drilling techniques and you're very, very, very good at them and you've got a solid game, then you start focusing in on conceptual, this conceptual side of things, you know? That so might be where the, where the money's at in terms of improvement. It's not for beginners. Yeah, I wouldn't say like the track and front technique is the best, is the wisest choice if you want to like improve. Then does it just not depend on the person? Mm. 
Some people respond better to some ways of learning. Mm, absolutely. So, was it Gunny Nelson that says, like, you can get better jujitsu by just thinking about it? Mm-hmm. Having that calm mind. And did Bruce Lee not become better at his uh, philosophies within whatever he was doing? <coughs> time he was laid up with a back injury for six months. I'm not sure. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. That's what sort of switched in. Interesting. Hands are sore, aren't they? They're nice. Aren't they really? The fatty bits are always stinging, you know, stinging, but they're grand. Well, they're mostly fatty, whatever. Yeah. I'm a masochist, though. I like the pain. <laughs> don't even like, don't even like getting, uh, don't even like tattoos, don't even like the ink, just like <laughs> the pen. Well, you're not the only one. No. I'm obviously some form of a sadist. Yeah. Enjoy the torture. Yeah. Just thinking yeah. it can't be easy for jujitsu gyms right now with all this bullshit going on. No. Not easy for many gyms, is it? No. Um, no one mind gyms are there to improve your health both physically and mentally Yeah. and if mm. you're um, physically healthy there's less chances of you getting sick mm. and if you do get sick there's less uh, there's a there's a better outcome for you if you're healthy if Absolutely. your body is working properly <coughs> then there's a much better outcome yeah so you know like even with these uh, like shallow breathing like people who breathe shallow, they're not getting what you're doing when you're breathing shallow is you're building up carbon dioxide in your body. You're not releasing as much carbon dioxide from your system. When you have carbon dioxide build up in your body, what happens? Um I'll tell you what happens. Well yeah, listen. So yeah. No, that started hurting, so I had to take a second to get So basically when carbon dioxide builds up in your body and it's alkaline, what that does is that creates a breeding ground for ground for cancer. So yeah, well, I think the whole alkaline acid thing has been proven wrong, hasn't it? No. Right within the body, are you sure? That should based on the science of Wim Hof, the scientific literature is there like behind I'm, it. I'm, not, I'm not disputing that would say a build-up of carbon <coughs> dioxide in your system would necessarily be a mm. good thing. I don't know enough about it. But I just thought that that whole concept of alkaline or an acid body... An acidic one, body. Yeah, one leading to cancer, I thought that was debunked. Was it? I think so. No, mm. I could be wrong. Well, yeah, no, the scientific literature of which Wim Hof met it, that's what it's based on. Is it really? Yeah. Ultimate, yeah. Now, we'll have to look at the paper. I wouldn't be able to pull that. Like, I wouldn't be able to say 100%. But that's what. Yeah, the I'm not saying I'm, I'm right or wrong. You know what I mean? If you yeah, believe yeah. anything I say, you need to slap in the face. If you <laughs> say anything, you want to Google fact check that immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Fair. Oh, Fair. Jesus. As like the dude who was fucking learned the circumference of the earth. Mm. Aristophanes. Yeah, I knew it was a Greek guy, but I couldn't remember his name. Mm. Now, the debunkers will try and tell you, oh, that's wrong. Well, look, so technically he didn't measure his paces exactly. Yeah. And, and his equation was technically correct. But because he didn't measure his paces correctly, mm. he didn't get the exact circumference of the earth right. He was a little bit off, yeah. He was a little bit off, just whatever, thousand to thousand, whatever mm. many, many years ago. 
It was a, uh, it was some revolutionary shit back then, really. Because the earth is flat, like. <laughs> imagine, imagine actually believing that. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know, like, what to say about the people who choose to believe that, and some who, who in some ways are intelligent. Yeah, it's mad. Um, what you call it? Cognitive dissonance, or whatever the fuck. Cognitive dissonance, yeah. Where no matter what the fucking like, proof is, it just believes. Like it's very simple. If the earth was flat and it had an edge, someone would have gone and recorded it. Oh, honestly, <laughs> no, I, I hate I hate to be a prick, but it's not even worth discussing because it's, it's like not, it's, not. it's like discussing uh, is the tooth fairy real? Like <clears> it's just. It's just it's like, not. Come on, it, yeah. yeah, it's not worth the energy, is it? No. It's like, yeah. The reptilians is a is a less stupid and uh, it's a less ridiculous um, conspiracy theory because alien races. How do we know how many there are out there? How old? How old can they be? Well, look, you if know, you want it, right? So I'm just. I'm not I saying I is. believe it, but no, it's well, less it, ridiculous. Look. So if you're looking at Goldilocks zones, right, mm. which are technically the distance away from the sun, where it's likely that a planet can inhabit life, mm-hmm. right? So if a planet's too close to the sun, it's too hot, and it's too far away, it's too cold, right? So to believe that in the Milky Way system, there's um, more planets in Goldilocks zones than there are grains of sand on the planet <coughs> Earth. Mm. So the thing that there's no alien life out there anywhere... Wait, say that again. So there's more Goldilocks zones than there are grains of sand no, on the Earth. There's more planets okay. within Goldilocks zones okay. than there are grains of sand on the planet Earth. Now look, it's not exactly that because who the hell knows how many grains of sand are on the planet Earth, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Really what they're trying to say is that the number is so great... It's it, beyond it's, calculation. Yeah, yeah, they can't yeah. quantify it, really. Mm. Well, everything's quantifiable, but... They just don't have the information to quantify it correctly. So they're really just trying to state, when I say they, now I'm talking about uh, astrophysicists and physicists in general, whoever's uh, the ones coming Neil up with all these Tyson, things. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Brian Cox kind of... Does, those yeah, types yeah. of people, yeah. yeah. Um, so when they're stating things like there's more planets now, just that's in the Milky Way. That's just in our mm. galaxy. Um, that there's that many um, planets in Goldilocks zones that could possibly have life on them mm. and then there's then there's other things like right well for life to create it needs opposable thumbs it needs certain things it needs to be able to conceptualize certain ideas and things right which is also true so at one stage on this planet life was just dinosaurs doesn't mean it was intelligent doesn't mean it was ever going to get off the planet or travel no. to a different one, you know what I mean? But it's still life, it's still alien life. life's a very, very, very big term, very wide umbrella term. Yeah. Yeah. So look, one NASA scientist I read one time, just as a theory, put it out there that it's possible that alien life exists on the sun in a gaseous form. Um, no matter how technologically advanced we ever became, <coughs> we could never um, identify it, realize it exists, or communicate with it. Mm. Now, 
I don't know exactly if he's just throwing that theory out there just to point out or make a point or if he actually believed it. Mm. It's a... Uh, well, it's food for thought one way or the other. Food for thought, yeah. yeah. That for people who believe like there's no such thing as aliens. Yeah. I think that's a bit silly. Um, it's, it's egotistical. It's very, very, very arrogant to assume that we're not uh, only life, uh, intelligent life out there. Like, very arrogant, like, you know? Now, for somebody to say uh, aliens have not travelled to this planet, well, that's a fair comment to make. If you want yeah. to go down that road, then that's, that's a... fair statement to make. Yeah. But I don't know if I believe it. Uh, See, for me, like, w right, when you look at, you know, the half, you know, so like an ancient alien, right? The humanoid, um, like half human, half reptilian creatures that you see, right? So this is where a lot of like people who base, who talk about reptilian uh, life forms have come and visited the planet and like genetically mutated us. I'm in complete disagreement. My thing on it is when you do a heavy dose of a psychedelic, there's a big chance you'll encounter some um, reptilian humanoid entities, especially if it's like um, DMT or iboga you know is there a big chance yeah yeah well for me it was fairly consistent so why just reptilian humanoid why not i think it was the snake energy of ayahuasca divine snake like and just it just it seems to be it is a very much so a recurring thing so it's not like half dolphin half human it's it's reptilian all the time it's like yeah, yeah half man half crocodile half snake half woman shiva as well kept popping up so you believe that just people's psychedelic experiences it's what they were drawing down rather than being contacted by uh, another, alien, race. another race yeah but then look to be honest with you i never believed that alien life ever had a chance to get into this planet as carl sagan's pale blue dot you know what i mean you keep pulling back and back and back further the earth becomes this tiny pale blue dot that you know what i mean to discover to get here would be next to impossible mm. um but then i listen to bob lazar on joe rogan Followed that by Commander Fravor, and you start to say to yourself, well, Commander Fravor, is that look? Yeah. That's the dude who recorded the Tic Tacs or Tic Tacs, whatever they're called, flying around. Right. So Lazar is the dude who claims uh, he was enlisted by uh, part of the American government slash military to reverse engineer a propulsion system that mm. he believes was not of this planet. Mm. He made claims years ago about I think it was gravity being a wave and um, some element one thirteen that was power these crafts and that basically if you stuck a nuclear reactor in a time machine and landed 500 years ago the people might be able to turn it on but would not have works that was the same thing that they might try and open it and when they did boom boom basically yeah that was uh, I, I'm a big fan so, of Bob Lazar I like his stuff so I don't yeah. know the man doesn't seem like a lunatic he doesn't and seems very genuine like his life's been ruined over the stuff he's come out and said you know well, like he's like what has he got again nothing nothing no but not just that but a lot of the claims he made about gravity being a wave or this element 113 i think they discovered that element 113 again mm. fact check don't take my word for it in mm. a hadron collider or a form of it that decayed quickly and now they added it to the periodic table if that's true mm. and they discovered from uh, two black holes colliding that gravity was a wave all these things in the last 10 years that bob lazar has been talking about for 30 years so look, I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Mm. We're never going to know, probably.
Never gonna know, no. That's the that's the fun thing about it. No, the strange thing was, remember that comet that was flying around uh, in outer space there a couple of years ago, and the thought was a ship of some sort. Nibiru, the red planet, is it? No, no, no. no. Nibiru is like the extra planet that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, From the Sanskrit yeah. tablet, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, no, I'm talking about. We said there was a comet there a couple of years ago, oblong shape, uh, moving at consistent speed. Um, for some reason, I can't remember what reason it was, but scientists believed that it wasn't acting like a comet and it was most likely some shape. And every theory that they came up with to try and sort of debunk it themselves didn't pan out. So, they still don't know, like, mm. there's the piece. But when you're affecting very intelligent people coming up with this stuff, you have to sort of ask yourself, like, what the yeah. fuck? You really do. Yeah, because I'm not smart enough. <laughs> Are we living in a simulation? Oh, Jesus, that one. Um, yeah, you can hear by long pause I'm thinking. Uh, look, one of the mathematicians that claims this has done the maths and claims that there's more of a chance that we are living in a simulation than not. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I suppose, look, all models of mathematics can be flawed in some way or can give you the answer that you're technically looking for. Um, I'm not saying that his model is wrong or his equation is wrong, but do I feel as though I'm actually alive? Do I yeah. feel as though I'm living in a simulation? I feel like I'm alive. I don't feel like I'm in a simulation. The simulation is a damn good one. Mm -hmm. um, then you have the theories of how the universe was created from whether it's the fucking multiverse theory to uh, basically the expansion event called the Big Bang is just the other end of a black hole. So a black hole is infinitely dense that sucks in everything including light. Mm. Maybe the other end of a black hole is everything being released out into a brand new universe. Mm. There's three or four theories of how the universe began, right? Yeah. That's one. Another one right. is, we'd say, the multiverse theory. Yeah. And then if you believe the multiverse theory, there's a theory which is crazy, which is called Last Thursday which means everything exists now since last Thursday. And uh, people go, oh, sure we've proved that oh, hundreds of years old. Yeah, but you see, if you believe in the multiverse and that universes and everything split off constantly all the time from uh, different points, then it's possible that our universe split, split off since last Thursday and we still have all the memories of the previous universe. <laughs> all this crazy shit, right? That these motherfuckers are coming up with, that is undeniable mm. as a theory. And it makes perfect sense, yeah. just as much as the simulation one does. Right. Doesn't mean any of it's real. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I believe this, but you got me thinking about this one video I watched, and I just thought it was bullshit at the time, uh, called the Mandela Effect. Right. Apparently, a very large portion of our population who were alive when Nelson Mandela uh, got released from prison remember him, his funeral, and Nelson Mandela dying back in the 80s, and another. It's like a split, like 50-50. Some people remember it, some people don't. Now, this is the theory of the video. I don't, I don't remember it, but I was alive. But go yeah, on. exactly. So some people said that he died at the time, and then other people didn't remember it. So it was a Mandela effect that some people were living in one version of reality, and some people were living in another, where there's like a twilight zone, where there is these very, very, very subtle differences. And he went through some other stuff. I, I call it bullshit on yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. But he was using CERN, the Large Hadron Collider, as um, 
as this theory, basically saying that like they could have messed with time then, when they, they tried to recreate the Big Bang, they could have shifted us into a different, a slightly different version of the world before. I don't know, it doesn't really make sense, the stuff you're saying, look, no. Because human memory is a strange thing. Um, between your dreams and your concept of what happened years ago, yeah. most of the things you think happened didn't happen the way you remember them. Um, your brain has a way of fooling you. Mm. Like, would you say if you had written down a diary every day of your life and you came yeah. across it 50 or 40 years later, I'm sure that some of the memories you have in your head wouldn't match up to the actual written diary. Absolutely not. So, just because people can't remember Man Mandela's dead. I remember Mandela being alive, I remember his fucking crazy wife fucking Winnie. Mm. You know what I mean? BNC and the way she fucking wrecked the place after he died, you know what I mean? He didn't die too long ago. Um, 2012, 2014. I can't remember when he died. It wasn't that honest. long ago. But I do remember the fact that. So you think he died in the 90s, did you? I don't know when he died. I'm not saying he. I don't know. I never. So I don't know when he died. <laughs> <laughs> he only died in like 2012. 2014. I don't know when he died. I no, can't remember. So his, but he's he died. His wife Winnie wrecked the place. And they say she wrecked the place. Her and the NC. So look, yeah, the ANC would have been well over by the time Mandela died, because Mandela died in the 20... He didn't die that long ago. Well, maybe she was wrecking the place while he was alive. So maybe you did, maybe the Mandela effect is real. Did you? Shit, man. I've been playing with my head out. I'm trying to concentrate. <laughs> I like playing with people's heads. Don't do it then. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to, but this is... Yeah, look, maybe I, this theory is real. Right, you look, here we go, is my nah. proof, my, like my memory is flawed, right? So here it is. There's my memory flawed. Maybe Mandela was still alive when, when, when he took over the ANC and wrecked the place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Politically. Um, what I about Mandela is, no matter what happened to him, yeah. no matter how much abuse he took, no matter how, what happened to him in prison, no matter how many beatings or how much racial abuse he suffered under apartheid, apartheid, whatever way you want to pronounce it, um, he still remained a very calm peaceful person who uh, lived honest to himself and believed in what he said and acted out mm. just like Gandhi or anybody else, mm. you know what I mean? He was like South Africa's version of Gandhi in a way, you know what I mean? He didn't say one thing and do another. He stuck with it. Yeah, he was a peaceful person. Mm. Um, he didn't let all the, the bad things that happened to him make him an angry person. And, no. And he didn't make himself sort of uh, fall into that trap and he stayed honest, he stayed peaceful, and he tried to share that with people and tried for reconciliation. Mm. Unfortunately now, there's some people over there... Um, ...who are, 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 are pushing hate and fear towards others. Because it's just an, a, an easy way to control people. People are quicker to respond to fear and hate and follow the leader. You know? Mm -hmm. But Mandela chose the harder road and stuck with it. It's hot less travel though at uh, one and non-violence, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, like he was one of the greatest men alive within well within my time. Yeah. I suppose for a previous generation one of the greatest men alive would have been Martin Luther King. Yeah. For another generation one of the greatest people alive could have been Gandhi. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like there's been great people throughout history to learn from. 
He's injured. Uh, I he was one of my idols. Now I wrote about. I did a my leaving sir project on him. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. the long walk to freedom. Borrowed that book from the library. Never gave it back. <laughs> Bad man. Bad man. But look, you know what? It was uh, one of those things. How many I needed to study. Which man is over South Africa now? Is Jacob Zuma still over South Africa? No idea. He's part of the Korzai. Or yeah. Korzai. Yeah. I know, yeah. It's a, it, what the, I think there's about 13 national languages. And obviously there's more than that. There's probably some tribes like, or peoples over there like mm. pygmies that are not recognised and their language isn't recognised. It's hard to sort of get around your head how big Africa, South Africa is. Massive. It's not even like people talk about India like it's one place, but like India is huge. Mm. It's like talking about Europe as one place. Well, Europe is big and it has lots of different types of people and lots of different ethnic So groups. diverse, like, yeah. yeah how many languages is there in Europe itself? But like? The same is true in places like India mm. or South Africa. There's many Africa alone. It's amazing how we sort of blanket think certain areas. India is like India, yeah. It's, we just sort of blanket think them of as one people, one type, one language, one belief system, which is fucking, is that some weird form of fucking supremacy? <laughs> There's a little bit to it. There's a, yeah, is there ignorance. A, is there a bit of white supremacy thrown into it, the ignorance, or is it just plain all ignorance? There's definitely a bit of supremacy in there, isn't there? Do you reckon, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. Again, down to the individual. Well, look, it's probably not supremacy. It's probably just ignorance. It's like if you turn around and you say to an American, "Where's, where's Bulgaria?" And if they point to Hawaii on a map, you're like, "Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what ethnic background they're from. That's just fucking ignorance." Mm. So I wouldn't say no. It's not supremacy. I don't even know why I threw that in there. Food for thought. What do you think of the back of the hand, Adam? It's alright, certain places. So, do you know the fatty part? Yeah. The fatty parts things down here. The middle is fine, actually. Here we go, and I'd say that's about four on the pain threshold. Oh, well, I don't know, even. Is it, it's hard to know because pain, the pain threshold goes very high, high, like. You know, is it a two? Is it a three? In terms of like you know someone sticking a knife into you and pulling your guts out and then pouring salt all over the wound. Yeah, I don't you feel that. <laughs> Strange as that sounds, I know. Yeah, but like, uh, the more severe the injury, your body goes into shock and you just don't feel it. Really. So like a paper cut a, a motherfucker. Yeah, or paper cut arm motherfucker. Yeah. But I had a dog hanging out of my arm and I didn't realise she was hanging out of my arm to look down and her feet were off the ground. Yeah. And there was no pain involved. There was absolutely no pain involved. The adrenaline? Yeah, I don't well, possibly, yeah, or I don't know what it is, but it's 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 like it's a split second, like it's instant, there's no pain. It's just it's just there's no pain. You're in the present moment. So it's like fight or flight kicks in, adrenaline goes through the roof. I fell off um scaffolding one time. They're not about 12 or 14 feet down onto a mass concrete mm. stairs with a skimming trowel in my hand, right? And um, sliced my wrist open. And no pain. And no, no pain even off the bang on the stairs. 
but then we just go back to a paper cut hurts yeah. like a oh, yeah. motherfucker yeah stubbing your toe on the door hurts like fuck yeah yeah so uh, somebody's sticking a knife in your pullet goods i don't know <laughs> <laughs> would, would that be an incredible level of pain or would your body just go no we're not we're not even accepting that this is real is one of those moments where your brain goes outside your body or consciousness and is looking at it from the outside in is it one of those sort of mm. what's that dude's name very uh, very proper sort of almost posh english type accent he's irish though he's a journalist and he was speaking about being in i think it was palestine or uh, lebanon he was no it was lebanon where he was uh, on a balcony these women with uh, ak-47s brought him into this building uh, put him up onto a balcony but these men arrived then and they were going to shoot him and um, mm. told him to open up his mouth and was going to put the AK-47 into his mouth and he was refusing then he made a gesture right. like you're going to smash his teeth open so he opened up his mouth but he talks about that and he talks about having an out of body experience where he's looking at himself uh, out down like he's above his body looking at it all happening he says it's like being a secretary taking the notes on what was happening. He wasn't present within his body. He was basically outside of his body taking watching notes. It happen. Yeah, yeah, watching yeah. it happen. And he was saying that he hopes for anybody who was just there was being beheaded or whatever, that they had the very same experience. It was just over. That they were outside of their body watching it happen and they weren't present within their body feeling the pain. It's mad. It's mad how the human brain can disassociate. Push you into those situations, yeah. Yep. Astral projection. Do you believe in that? Well, believing it is a silly way of putting it. Have you researched it? Have you ever experienced astral projection yourself? I actually have. <laughs> yeah? Mugwort's meant to be good for it. Uh, and mine years ago, I had a book on it. Mm. And he gave me a loan of the book. Uh, there were some simple techniques about uh, tensing and relaxing, tensing and relaxing, picturing yourself leaving your body. So it's back in his mother's house. Um, mm. There's a large skylight window beside the bed. I'm lying on the bed doing this shit. And so I sit up and I look around and I look outside the window. And I see my mother walking out. Now before I lay down, I was obviously looking out the window. And Typical garden, uh, the washing line is outside, but there's no clothes on the line, whatever. So I lay down, did the certain techniques, uh, sat up, looked around, see my mother walk outside, put the clothes on the line, uh, do whatever, rub the dog, walk back in. Mm. Uh, this is all I said, like I, I wasn't physically sitting up, this is yep. all within my mind. I got a little bit afraid, I won't lie, sort of snapped out of it set up really quick looked outside and all the washing was on the line and really it was the correct clothes that i had <laughs> seen wow so it's very interesting isn't well, it no it's actually quite frightening scared you did you go into sleep paralysis no no ah interesting uh the frightening part about it is you see there's shit in the book that talks about this silver cord that attaches from Center, well, it's the center of your forehead, of your physical body, to the back out. of your head, of your astral body, right? Yeah. And that allows you to go out so far. And it talks about fucking 
demons and evil spirits and all they sorts of shit. They can cut the cord or get into you through the cord. Not even about cutting the cord, it's, yeah, it's just about uh, sort of entering you or affecting you. So when you're reading all this sort of negative shit in the book, right, you follow the first few stages and it seems to work. Again, mm-hmm. this could all be in my head. My well, brain could have... Create the situation. But it, it, it is in your head one way or the other. It's in my head one way or the other. The stra- what, what was strange was yeah. the fact that I... S- there was no clothes on the on the line, mm. and the clothes that I pictured in my mind, and everything that happened, and even the order that she put them on the line, actually did sort of occur when everything I set up and looked around. Everything was right. Look, that doesn't mean it was real, right? Maybe, well, as you said, maybe it was like a form of sleep paralysis. Maybe I physically set up and looked around. Maybe my brain just played a trick on me. I don't well, know. Well, I've had a few experiences with it, trying to lose a dream. Right. And so when I was trying to lose a dream, what would happen to me is. I would either get caught in the and have an astral projection, so I wouldn't. I've had a few con. Excuse me. I've had a few conscious dreams where I did astral project. But lucid, lucid dream where I was controlling the dream, where it was like you can fly, you can fly, and I was flying. Hiccups so is a symptom of coronavirus. Is it? <laughs> it's uh, also a symptom of uh, this fucking nicotine, nicotine thing I've got in my mouth. I'm only, only messing with shit. That's gone dead. Oh no, the screen's just gone off, but it's still running. Oh. Still blinking. I'll go over and give it a flick just no, to no, see. No, that's fine, hey. I just didn't understand. I just seen it melting off. Yeah. That's it. So you've had a few of those, haven't you? Yeah, I had an interesting one, actually. I'm going to take this out. It's bothering you, is it? Give me the hiccups. That's one half done, anyway. Are we doing a bit of shading on it? I'll do that in the end. After, yeah. yeah. Ugh, okay, that's interesting. The hiccups. <coughs> Too much nicotine, isn't it? My body's rejecting it. I do, my body's rejecting it. <sighs> oh, I'm fucking. Did you ever see that thing? What was it? Men Who Stare at Goats? Yeah. And um, there's documents on it that prove that one dude from staring at a goat from a different room fucking managed to kill this goat. What the fuck's that about? On uh, WikiLeaks. Uh, it wasn't even WikiLeaks. Sure, the, the CIA declassified the, it, did yeah, they? Yeah, but sure, the CIA declassified it, but the guy himself was interviewed a few mm. years back and spoke about it and um, uh, gave, a, gave a very lengthy interview on everything that was going on, how many of them were involved. Uh, it was all a little bit fucking crazy. Standing there, just staring at the fucking goats with mad ideas. Flick. flick away. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. What's that about? The men who stare at goats. The film's interesting, so I'll get. I'll just I'll make a little point on that before I tell you my astral projection experience, the most recent one. So, with the men who stare at goats, my problem with the film is it detracts from anybody having conversations outside of this. Oh yeah, I saw that in a movie, and it's nonsense. Like my first experience of hearing about a chakra was when George Clooney ripped open his top and was like the Ajna chakra. It was a third eye chakra, but it was tattooed on his chest, and it just. You know the way the film is kind of comical and it's like sort of... What movie is that? The Men Who Stare at Goats. I can't even remember the movie. Right, go on. Yeah, so it's in that movie. And um, so what I found was that they were... Obviously, it's looking at MK Ultra. It's making people who ever want to talk about these sort of things seem crazy. Because, you know, the movie has a narrative of um, it being nonsense. You know? It has that, uh, has that general feel to it. So that's what... I like the film, but... That's kind of my problem with it. And then 
So to get back to my astral projection experience, it was after my ayahuasca retreat when I got back uh, to Ireland from that. Um, so I was speaking to my niece, and you know the way kids are. The kids. So she's like, Adam, do you have a fairy? And I was like, I don't. And uh, she's like, my fairy's called Blue. What's your fairy's name? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, well, of course you have a fairy. Everybody has one, right? It's like your guardian angel. It's just, yeah, okay. So her fairy that she plays with in her head is Blue. So I, that was around 8 or 9 in the morning. Um, I went for a nap at 11 o'clock that day. Lay down. I had this strange dream where I was thrown into the middle of an ayahuasca ceremony. And I was in the middle of it. And I was... It was as real as being on ayahuasca as it was in real life. Like I felt the effects of it on me. Three or four days post ceremony. So I'm feeling it and I'm in the dream. I get frustrated like, and like the facilitators were people I've never seen before. They weren't actually the people who were facilitating at the retreat. And so I'm frustrated. I'm so saying- Facilitators are like shaman, are they? Yeah. Right. So I'm saying to these people, why didn't you do this as a ceremony? Why did you just give us the fucking ayahuasca out of the blue? Like, we're just in the middle of it out of nowhere. And there was um, one of those alien race people in the room, right? You know the tall blondes? Tall whites. Tall whites. Blonde, Nordic-looking guy, probably nine foot tall. And he was in a lot of distress because he was in a room full of humans. I don't know what the conversation was. He was having a conversation with some other people in the room. So, I leave the room. I go outside and I'm outdoors and there's this guy, he's like an elf looking guy, Levitan. He's floating in like the lotus position, floating. Define elf. Elf. Ah, he's he's small. Gnome. More of a gnome, your classic looking gnome, but he's not got a beard. He's a young gnome. That's the, just the, that's what I got. That's what I felt. And so he looks at me and he's like, Hi Adam. I was like, hi, and he goes, I'm Tom. I'm your I'm your spirit helper, he said, and he like giggles and he flicks me. And when he flicked me, I flung out of the dream, back into my body, and straight out my body into my bedroom. And now I'm looking at myself lying in the bed, and I start floating up over, levitating like he was. So you're looking at yourself, which means you're outside your body. Outside my body, in my bedroom, in that exact room that I was in during my dream, during my, well no, during my nap. So I start floating, and I float up, 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 out through the roof, and then I'm like out in my estate, floating, and then it lasted for about a minute. And I was like, holy fuck. And it was like, there's this mad sensation that comes with it. Like, there's mad, real, hallucinogenic feeling. And I was like, Whew. All right, so just to play devil's advocate, yeah. how do you know that wasn't just a dream? Could have just all been a dream. Well, it was. So it wasn't astral projection then? Well, it felt like astral projection. What you read about, what you hear about the technique of leaving the body, and you roll to your side. So when he flicked me and I came back to my body, I rolled out side, I rolled out of my side. So when I practiced it around 2021, 20, I stopped doing it out of uh, fear as well. It started getting too scary for me. Now we're feeling that. <clears throat> Maybe my right side is my weaker side. Uh, a lot of times, you know, pain is associated with your emotion. Hmm. So depending on the emotion you're feeling, it makes the pain worse. Mm. So maybe me questioning you. <laughs> the adrenaline's on a high now. Is uh, a question about your your, your experience. It's bringing bringing the 
a heightened sense of emotion there as the ink's going in. It's always nice stuff. Fucking, I'm a weirdo. I fucking hate getting tattoos. I love tattoos. I want more tattoos. But I hate the feeling. I hate the feeling. Everybody's different. Some yeah, people, I don't know what it is. Some people love it. Some people just can't handle it. It's a love-hate thing. It's all about resisting and just letting go. I remember one time I was in here with you. Or was it with you or was it in Bali? Well, I was doing mantras. So I was like, um. Yeah, you didn't do that high. No. no. It, so it's the omen going with the needle. Because the, the vibration is quite similar. The mmm and zzz, That's more harsh. Yeah, it's much harsher. Much harsher. The, your own vibration is close to Schumann's wave, isn't it? Uh, 538 hertz. That well, is correct. 7.83 hertz. Is it 7? Oh, the frequencies can change. But well, it was originally 538. Yeah. Well, am, I just, I, am I wrong? I don't know. It's like... Is it being measured slightly different? It's like, is it Celsius versus Fahrenheit? I don't know. I just know the Schumann's wave is 7.83. Is it seven? I thought it was five hundred and thirty. Yeah, so I um, have to, to relook at that. Schumann's wave is hundred percent. It's hundred percent seven point eight three, seven point eight two. I saw it was mixed up. I say seven point three, but as far as I know, it's seven point eight three. The Schumann's wave. Anybody that doesn't know is just the the resonance that the planet itself gives off. That's yeah. all. Obviously, you do call Schumann discovered it probably yeah. God's name. So mm. It's funny. I spoke about this in a the podcast I recorded with Itzke Tila. Uh, yeah, she wasn't familiar with it, so I was giving her a little spiel about it. But um, I was saying 538, so maybe I was uh, handing out some misinformation. Well, I'm not saying you were. As I said, it could be, it could be like as I said, Fahrenheit versus Celsius. There might be two ways of measuring. Mm. Like or is it that not originally it was 538 hertz and now the planet's vibration has changed because of um, Wi-Fi rays and radiation? No, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> well, apparently it has. Apparently. I don't know if the, the planet's vibration has changed because of Wi-Fi and that. If anything, like you know the way the axis of the Earth changes every year slightly mm. by like a half a degree or less. Yeah. And you know then you have the thing where you have the changing of the poles. Mm -hmm. And we say the last time the poles changed was like 700,000 years ago or something. And uh, this happens uh, so many times within the planet's life that the, the poles switch from north to south. Mm -hmm. So who's to say or who's to know if the resonance of the planet is changing slightly, why it's changing? Yeah. You know I mean? Or why do you believe it's changing? <coughs> Like, if you believe it's changing because of Wi-Fi, I don't know, I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't picture that. I don't know. I'm just Nukes. Nukes, <laughs> yeah. Look, the, the weird thing is, look, we evolved on this planet, we're, we're more connected to it than disconnected. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like, there's a reason we need all these elements starring plants that grow up through the ground. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how connected you are. Obviously, you need your iron, magnesium, zinc, all these elements that are in the ground to grow up through veg or during meat or whatever. Mm. So it's just then, are we connected in some way to that wave, to that resonance? Like, how the hell do swallows manage to go from Europe to Africa every year? Or how does salmon fucking manage to go up a river and spawn in the same place they were born and go back out to sea, hopefully before they die? It's so, it's amazing really, isn't it? Well, look, some people believe, right, because your brain has four different frequencies, alpha, beta, theta, gamma, 
Again, uh, could we stop correcting on this one? I think it's Alpha and Theta wave. They believe that your brain reaches similar or same frequency as Schumann's wave. And uh, you only reach that during deep meditation or deep sleep. Shamanic drumming as well brings you right there. Does it? I absolutely believe so. There's actually been reading out some scientific literature on it, yeah. The drum, the tum 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 help your brain hit certain frequencies. Into either alpha, theta, or gamma. I don't know which one it gets you into. It gets you the one of deep meditation, so that's alpha, isn't it? Alpha and theta. Alpha or theta or theta. Alpha and theta, yeah. So with the theta, tomato, tomato. Potato, tomato, potato. Yeah, we see with Sasha Baron Cohen when he does that. No. When he so like he plays dumb with a like who was he was interviewing it wasn't dick cheney that was recent that was in who is america so it would have been years ago um with politicians so he was like ali g is it with ali g and he's like explaining how uh how he would like disarm the people that he's interviewing he's like well i would play i would act very fucking stupid um beforehand so he'd be like interviewing uh it was one of the uh a democrat fucking it was a vice president at the time i'll have to remember who it was right it doesn't matter just anyway so the story was he sits there and he's like, uh, yeah, mate, so um, uh, I'm very, very grateful to be in the US of A. Um, thank you for having me in this wonderful country. And he's like, thank you, sir. And he's like, so how close to, uh, so is this close to America? And he <laughs> looks at me, he's like, USA is America. He's like, yeah, yeah, you say tomato, I say potato. <laughs> he's like, what sort of fucking idiot am I dealing with here? I'm just wondering, did uh, Louis Thoreau get his fucking interviewing techniques from watching Ali G. Possibly. Act harmless, keep repeating the same question. He could have got them from, um, what's that guy, Columbo, the, de the detective. The detective, yeah, pretend to be slightly dumb and, and then, uh, see what happens. What was it, he just, at the end of every episode, he'd walk back in and go, just one more question, and then he had them. My favourite one is the South African one, Louis Thoreau, with the guy with the game reserve. Did you ever see that one? I did, you told me to watch it. Come here, come here, knock off that fucking tape, knock off that fucking tape. <laughs> Are you fucking stupid or something? We're living in fucking Africa. They fucking kill everything. They eat everything. Look at that beautiful animal. He says, we have a rhino now with the horn, whatever inches long. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Thoreau is like, it, it was just that moment when your man gives him the truth. Yeah. And the honest to God's truth. And basically, humans are like a virus on the planet. We're going to eat and absolutely kill fucking everything. Yeah. Unless you give these uh, animals a value to not just the villagers but people who want to come in and shoot them as a prize yeah then the locals will actually fucking kill all these animals until they're extinct mm. this is just the reality of the world you're living in you're not living in some fucking utopia you're living in a fucking world where humans are like fucking blue mold on bread we're fucking chewing up the planet mm. and people who are poor as, he, as that south african was like the fucking elephant he doesn't eat the shitty tree he, he comes in and eats the fucking beautiful tree the best tree Mm. I mean, he's just not, you know what I mean? He's, he's making a case for just humanity of basically, you can't blame these people in Africa who are piss poor and who are just trying to make ends meet and survive and feed their families. To look at these animals coming in and destroying their crops, everything else is not more than pests or vermin. And mm. that's why they want to kill them. And then if you have some fucking Chinese or Vietnamese guy, it's mostly Vietnam that does for rhino horn, um, yeah. that's willing to pay you silly money for rhino horn, they're going to fucking do it as well. Because they're killing two birds of one stone, it's, it's getting rid of the pests and they're making a few quid out of it at the same time. So it's a sad state of affairs. It is. It's a sad state of affairs. It is. The reality yeah. is if the poaching 
Yeah. Oh, not the poaching. If, if we'd say, if game hunting uh, makes, we'd say, an elephant, a lion, uh, an impala, or a rhino, a huge commodity um, worth serious money and a value to that local community, and then that local community will no longer kill it. They will manage it and keep it alive. They won't let it go extinct. They'll keep it for monetary gain as opposed to just fucking wiping it out because it's a nuisance. Yep. And Irish people are full of shit in one way that we all think we're great in the way that we think we're all green because the country is green. Look, the country is fucking green because we've chopped down every fucking forest and we killed our wildlife and we chopped down nearly every fucking hedgerow. Was it the English that did it though? Did the English kill their wolves? They killed. They took our old trees and planted them on their reservations. Was right. it? Right. So all the English. Okay. Can you blame? There's a very uh, colonialism for everything. No, you can't blame colonialism for everything because what people don't understand is, uh, for a long time, uh, most English uh, kings were Catholic. Yeah. So during colonial Ireland, for most of the hmm. 800 years, maybe it was for 450 or 600. I don't know the exact figures. For a long time during colonial Ireland, the kings of England were all Catholic. Mm-hmm. So there was a certain amount of support within Ireland for these yeah. people. Yeah. It's only when, obviously, look, was it the English came here first to to solve a dispute between two kings in Ireland, and then they decided to stay, and when then to stay, then decided to slowly take over, erode the place. Mm. Then we'd say you had the planters where they started bringing in Scottish and Presbyterian. Uh, people to plant on land and take land from the Irish. You had the Pale, mm. which was Dublin, Wicklow, Kildare. You know, look, it's just history. History, one man's story, his story. Did um, mm. the English eventually try to kill the Gael? Did they try and get rid of the Irish language, the Irish culture? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, it's just a very human thing, unfortunately. Mm. Irish people went to America and other places as indentured slaves. Not indentured slaves. slaves. Well, as indentured servants, they weren't slaves. That's mm. the wrong term, right? Because the reason they weren't slaves, they, slaves in a way, is because they were processed under human law, whereas an African slave was considered chattel, like cattle with a H. So they were not more than a, 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 a an object, a commodity, you could do what you like with them. No, no different than if you owned a sheep or a cow. If you decide to kill your sheep or your cow, you could do that. Nobody's going to say do. Mm. But then, yeah, Irish then went, and when they became free of their indentured slavery, some Irish, not all, obviously. Not all, I'd but say some. A large percentage of Irish probably ended up marrying African slaves or other indentured servants or whoever. But some Irish went on to become slave owners in America or to treat Aborigines in Australia very poorly. Mm. Hey, did you ever hear about... Uh, it's a human phenomenon. You know when you hear that, uh, like, in, like, African-American culture, like, especially with hip-hop, like, you dig? You dig me, homie? Go on, yeah. Right, so, the five points, that phrase originated back in the five points in New York, which would have been a dis- district, and so you would have had a lot of um, Irish and Ameri- uh, African slaves living there together. And so, Njigintu in Irish is, you understand me, you dig, you get me. So, <laughs> I get you. It sounds so, like you dig, you, you dig at me. You dig me, Njigintu. So, what happened was the Irish were explaining some of the language to Africans at the time, and then the phrase got like colloquialized and uh, um, 
watered down, I guess, and taken in as a part of the African American culture. You dig? There's a few other phrases like that. Blind boy, uh, blind boy, giving you these little gems of information. Do you know is it Jamaica? Is it ten or twenty percent of Jamaican heritage is Irish? That's very interesting. Montserrat and Saint Lucia. The it's like forty percent of the the heritage is Irish. Mm. So you have when say a lot of dark-skinned people of mixed uh, heritage in say Montserrat and Saint Lucia, and all have an Irish accent. Mm. Like a, a we call it a bastardized Irish accent, like a mixture of a few ran in together. Mm. So lovely. I suppose look, people who suffered together ended up fucking living together, loving each other, and then obviously fucking procreating. The end. Mm -hmm. Love is love, mate. Love is love, mate. Most Irish people don't know all this sort of stuff. Yeah, like um, Frederick Douglass. You know Frederick Douglass? I've heard the name. The, he would have been a part of the ARB. Now, I could be wrong. This is 1845. So the African Revolutionary Brotherhood, I think it was called, or the African Republican Brotherhood. Right. So what they were doing, they were African slaves who were looking for independence. Frederick Douglass came over. He's got a book written about it um, when he came to Ireland. And he said... When he was in Ireland, it was the first place he was ever treated as a human being. Um, yeah, he would have been a Huey Newton. Would have been he would have been Huey Newton. He's one of his big influences, which was like the Black Panthers then, in the I guess the 1960s, the 70s. But like with Frederick Douglass, yeah, he spent a lot of time in Ireland, wondering how we were looking at how we were getting our independence and fighting back. So and using the same techniques that he was the IRB. I'm, I might get oh, my date wrong. IRB, yeah, yeah, go on. So he, they call themselves the ARB as well. They had the ARB. In, a, in America, they modeled, they used the same techniques for guerrilla warfare and stuff like that that we use. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a book I haven't got around to reading, but I've listened to it. He's done multiple podcasts on it. But yet Irish people nowadays like it or not. Are fucking they're, they're, racist. Well, there's a no, sub... There is. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say, well, there's a subculture, sort of like a subconscious racism. Mm. People, nobody wants to be racist, really. Like, no. Like, nobody wants to be a hernite. You know what I mean? Nobody yeah. wants to be a cunt. But I suppose if you're raised within a certain thought process or you're exposed to a certain thought process growing up, you do have these sort of subconscious, unconscious bias. Mm. Or, do you want to call it unconscious bias or racism or unconscious bigotry or, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, I had a guy here one day, a young guy, you know, he's of African descent, you know what I mean? But he's Irish. And in um, just pricing or whatever, I can't remember what was happening for paying a deposit. There was a woman sitting there, and when he left, she was like, Oh, geez, he's very good English, hadn't he? And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's an awful racist thing to say. But she was mortified. I said, Jesus, that was like, she didn't. She didn't think she, she was being racist at all. She had no concept. Uh, she didn't mean it in a negative way. Uh, she didn't, you know what I mean? I said, She was mortified. I says, Look, I says, like, it's, it's just... He's Irish. Yeah, he's Irish, but there's no point in, in, in sort of thinking that. Like, I have to sort of say it for just, uh, I don't know, if you want to put educator on the point. Oh, yeah. Just, you know what I mean? That's, that's an unconscious thing. You know what I mean? She had it said without realising it. A Freudian slip, almost. Yeah, but then you have to ask yourself, why did she, why did she think that? 
you know, it's this subconscious thing that I suppose, look, it's part of our history, the whole anti-English, the colonial thing, the, the tribalism, mm. to sort of subconsciously just in your head think, well, Irish people are this and they're not that. Yeah. Whatever that is, whether it's Asian or African or whatever the fuck, which is silly. If you're born and raised in a culture, that's what you are. Absolutely. Imagine turning around and saying, Jesus, you need very good English for a ginger. <laughs> Very good English for a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh? It's silly. But then, you surely had some bouts of racism, Adam. Oh, Jesus, lots. Had you lots? Lots, lots. lots yeah. It's sad, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It is sad. It's sad, yeah. it's sad for this society that would say... Obviously, I'm guessing that most of it was probably when you were younger, by other people of a similar age. Yeah, absolutely. So, why did they think it was acceptable? I guess. How do you, how do you, how do you put it into words? They thought that it was funny. So it's just blatant ignorance. Blatant ignorance. I was a little bit different, and I was the closest thing to, um, you know, a different culture that they were around because of my surname. The sure I'm white, like, you know. That's not sad. It's um, that's the thing. It's like I'm, I'm African Irish. Is it just I'm a way for them to become a tribe and have their own community by singling out somebody who's different, so mm. then all of us are together? All is kids bully though. All teenagers like go through that bullying phase. Not all of them, but you know, when it's a thing, it's a thing, and then it's a group. It's a, a group. If they point out differences, said, look, I'm sure there's loads of gingers now that get bullied. Yeah, absolutely. Loads of people who book teeth who get bullied. Yeah. You know Big what I mean? Ears. Yeah. There you go. You know what I mean? There was um, one guy in our class who had a giant left ear, and he was called left ear for about three years. Yeah. Left ear, left ear, you know. But there was a guy in national school when I was growing up, and he was born, his jaw was sort of crooked. Yeah. And his name was Fiefer, but everybody used to call him Feekly. Feekly, As yeah. in teeth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Feekly, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, that was just a horrible thing when you think of it. Yeah. But is racism then really racism in Ireland, or is it just bigotry pointing out difference just to be a cunt? Obviously, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's I'm something you could unpack. You could talk about that for a few hours. There is, real there is real racism. I'm not mm. saying there's not real racism. I'm not saying there's not real racists. But if we're just saying that in general. I was called all sorts of names. Kunta Kinte, Toby. And that was that. No, Toby. No. And okay, so. Uh, Toby's out. Uh, that, what's Kunta Kinte? Roots. Yeah, Roots. So his real name was Toby. But they. they were, no, no, his real name was Kunta Kinte, and they were getting yeah. him. They were trying to get him to say. To go by a slave named Toby, that was it, yeah. So I used to always get the fights over it. Which is understandable. Oh yeah. Start throwing slaps off the bat. Yeah, because like there's only so much you can take. Yeah. And then when you're young, I suppose, look, at that age it's it's that's the, the response, isn't it? Yeah. It's violence. Violence is the it's the easiest way to go. And emotionally for me I could never get into the verbal debate. As I said, it look, didn't take, like, my boiling point was very, very, very well, low. close to the edge. Yeah, well, yeah, because you're living with it. Yeah. So then you must have thought to yourself in your head, am I different? Why am I different? Why mm. am I identified as different? Mm. Which is... Always. Up. And travelling from school to school as well, there was a massive part of that. Again, you're different, you're not from the And area. you're starting off in schools every time with your surname, the teachers can't pronounce it, they're, they're stuttering over letters. And then you know people are giggling, and then lunchtime that comes out, 
you know. So it's like, yeah, there was, took a while to, to settle into myself, I guess. Quite a few years. But Probably mid twenties. As I said, but nobody know? wants most. I'm saying, I'm saying most people don't want to be racist. No. Would not like to consider themselves racist, mm. and would not like to be racist. Yeah. But just you have a lot of people have this unconscious bias. Yeah. That they're grown up. With. But they're the same guys who are using uh, racist slurs. Got a biggie and Tupac poster in the bedroom, you know. Right. Yeah, and it is, and then that's, that's the hypocrisy comes in. All they listen to is hip hop and rap, and then you know they're calling you this and that. But then, right, we have right so right? <laughs> like Bob Marley smoking a Bob Marley smoking a giant with up the rack coming out of his mountain speech bubble, spread all over fucking Limerick City. <laughs> but then you have, we'll say, people in America who live through segregation would not use those words as slurs, right? And mm. yet they don't like those certain words being used within rap music, because. They living through segregation were the subject to those names, right? They lived, uh, they lived through and said, being they lived through those experiences, yeah. yeah. Whereas a lot of black youths nowadays in America don't live that experience, but yet they think that they can use that certain words and say, oh, we're taking back the power. Mm. Whereas the but older people, the older generation didn't because they understood it differently. Yeah. yeah. So then has Tupac and Biggie and all these people. Has that culture that sometimes referred away? It depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask, you know? Well, it's like, would most people use the N-word? I'm saying the N-word, just to be politically correct there. Mm. Right, because really I have no problem with saying the word because we're only talking about the word. I'm yeah, not you're using not, it, not I'm using not using it. it as a slur. Yeah. I can talk about the word fuck and not say fuck you. Mm. You know what I mean? But yet we can't talk about the N-word and, and boom, because a white guy saying the word, oh, he has to be a racist. Mm. That's a bit fucking, that's a bit dumb, isn't it? Yeah. I can understand a white person saying it in a negative way is very hurtful. Can we not just discuss the word? Well, like a it's friend a of mine, a uh, good friend of mine I was living with in Australia, he was Canadian, but he was, uh, you know, so he's, he's North, North American, has the culture and the slang, and every second word was uh, the N-word. But he used to call me the, the little N-word. So all the time, me and my friends... Can you get away with saying it because you're part African? Nah, nah, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> but then, that's a slur that was an American but slur, what it? happened was, because he was saying it around me so much, I couldn't have saying it, you know what I mean? Back to him. Not back to him, but using it around him all the time. And he didn't mind at all. He had no problem with it, as long as the context was right. As long as the context was right, and you weren't saying it in a negative way. In a negative way, you know, it was absolutely fine. So I guess it's down to the individual and how they see it. So not, you know what I mean? But then, look, some people. But then when it's the KKK and how they use it, and then it got course segregation, the, where the word originally came from, it was a word that was used to keep people under and the fucking the. Uh, well, well, it comes from the word Negro, which mm. actually, I think now, could be wrong, does Negro not sort of mean black? Does that not yeah. translate to black? Like, is that not, I don't know what language is it, is it in Latin or what? Like? I'm not sure, but yeah, that is where the word came from, yeah. Of course, so, absolutely, it's all about intention, it's all about context, you know? It's like... Same with the word queer. Like you know, you've a lot of gay friends. You can call them queer, and it's no problem. But if you call someone in a negative way, it's a slur. 
Yeah, no, even though you use the word queer or faggot, you can use that for your gay friends or whatever. Can you really? Yeah, yeah for homosexual friends, whatever way you want to call it. It's fine, they don't mind it as long as, say they, but like, people don't mind that as long as it's done with the right intention, you know? Yeah, I've never called them anything but gay. Yeah. And even to their face, it's not but gay, because I don't know, you just say, I don't use certain words. You don't want to, I yeah. just don't use certain words. I, I don't mean. use it, I, I don't use it either. Like I, don't, I don't call any anybody anything but what they are, uh, personally, but it's just uh, I don't the use concept the of it. Like, yeah. in my daily life, full stop. I don't, I don't really use the Q it. word or the F word either. Maybe we should use that. We should use that. <laughs> <laughs> you see now, you see how silly it starts to become when we're referring to them as the Q word and the F word. Yeah. Rather than just talking about the word. Yeah, because we're not. We're not afraid to say the word, aren't we? Yeah, it's not. Because we don't want to be fucking interpreted wrong. Yeah, exactly. We don't well, want I mean, to be interpreted as If racist. anybody misinterpreted this conversation, then they need to get their ears fixed. <laughs> Some you know? people will interpret it wrong because uh, our intention and their perception are, can be two different things. Because yeah. you could have ten people sitting there and I can say, ah, oh, Jay, you look like a little bunch Stings. of pigs. Stings. And one guy could have been called Piggy as he was growing up and he could lose the plot. Yeah. That's not mm. my intention, though. It's his perception. Mm. So look, obviously some people... Some people could be called a freak all their life and that word would set them off. We all have different trigger words, you know? Yeah, that used to be a trigger word for me. Yeah? Yeah, that used to be one of mine. Because I used to be sort of slightly different. Yeah. As in, outside of the societal norm growing up. So... That's when I used to be called, and that used to be a trigger word for me. The freak. Yeah, freak. Yeah, you're a freak. Mm. And I used to, in my head, well, like, what is a freak? And they couldn't answer so then why call me something if you can't explain it to me? Like what does that mean? Come on, give me the actual reason behind Yeah, it. what are you saying here? What are you trying to get at, like? Yeah, what are mm. you trying to call me? So did you experience much bullying growing up then? Uh, everybody does, yeah. Yeah? I think everybody, well, from my experience in Ireland growing up, well, the time I grew up, now I'm only 47, I think uh, nearly you're always bullied by older generations. Yeah. So I don't think there's anybody in my generation that didn't receive some form of bullying from lads older than themselves growing up, whether it was in national school mm. or secondary. Especially when you went into secondary school and you guys there from different towns and everything else all sort of coming together. There's going to be some bullying, yeah. So did I receive some bullying? Yeah. Did I bully some lads? Well, I probably did, yeah. Uh, there's no point telling fucking lies, yeah. Mm. Uh, I was a cunt when I was in national school. I had issues, I wanted to fight. So I used to go around and I used to pick on bullies. So if there's a lad bullying somebody younger than him, I'd go over and I'd start a fight with him. That's what I used to do as well, actually. Because I got bullied, so I felt like rather than bullying the vulnerable person, I'd bully the bully once so I learned I, how to I fight. Yeah, yeah, here, yeah. I was bullying yeah. the bully, but then technically I was a bully. Yeah. Because I wasn't doing it for altruistic reasons, like, or I wasn't yeah. doing it to be uh, really kind to the guy who was being bullied. I was doing it because I was angry, and yeah. I wanted to kick the shit out of somebody. <laughs> so I yeah, just fucking said, right, well, I, I, I just justified it in my head that I can kick the shit out of that guy because he's been a bully. Mm. But then I was technically a bully. So then if somebody weaker than me in school... Um, Obviously, got too smart, well, then they'd get it, wouldn't they? Absolutely. No, I wouldn't say it. Look, to be honest with you, I was an idiot. I would have gotten into trouble with lads who were stronger than me growing up, too, you know what I mean? Mm. And would have received the, the rough end of the a stick. Few, a few kickings, yeah. 
You know, there's nothing like getting punched in the face to make you realize why you aren't picking order. I know, yeah. It sounds a bit weird, but the no, truth... No, it's true, though. It puts you, puts you right in your place. Yeah, because, hey, uh, young men have the, uh, a, a sad belief, really, to think that they're in some way invincible or bulletproof or they're tougher or harder than they actually are mm. or they're better at fighting than they actually are. And sometimes a punch in the face from somebody older, tougher than you, is what you need to wake you the fuck up. And I got plenty of them. That's but good for you. Uh, sometimes it didn't wake me up. <laughs> Probably made me a little bit worse when I was young. But then, hey, young and dumb. We're sort of allowed to be that, aren't we? Yeah. It's all, it's just, it's a learning experience, isn't it? You know? Yeah, but look, as I was explaining to somebody here, getting into this conversation, type conversation before, like, how do you tackle bigotry or racism within a society? For me, I think it just comes down to... I think you have to start teaching kids from a young age basic human behaviour and critical thinking. So if you fall into some aspects of tribalism or picking on the odd one out or, you know what I mean, whatever that may be, ginger, buck teeth, fake and darker skin, you know what I mean, that you realise, look, this is human behaviour, don't participate in this, it's negative behaviour. And um, before assuming something or thinking ourselves about a subject, Try to apply a little bit of critical thinking to it. Ask yourself a couple mm. of questions about it. Criticize yourself. Be the critic of your own thought. Mm. Ask yourself, well, does that make sense? Why am I doing this? Why would I think that? Why would I say that? Is that hurtful? You know, is that going to benefit me? Is that going to benefit that person? I suppose getting away from tribal ideas. But most people are raised to be tribal, aren't they? Mm-hmm. No matter what world or what we say country or culture you're grown up in, you know what I mean? If you're in Africa and you're growing up as a Hutu, you're going to have some negative thoughts about Tutsi. Yeah, or if you're in Tullamore and you're growing up as a Liverpool fan, you're going to have negative thoughts about the United fans. There you go. Yeah. It's a cultural thing, isn't it? It's human behaviour. Yeah. So why do humans behave this way? We need. It's for um, Is it community. The tri- it's, it's genetics, the tribalism thing is genetics, it's a part of survival I guess, the safety net unconsciously. It's yeah, a way of being secure, having an identity and you know, well, obviously getting look, on. In evolution, if you were the odd one out, you were probably ostracised, kicked out of your tribe, you didn't get to procreate so your gene pool didn't carry on. Mm. It literally comes down to survival. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what genes were passed, I suppose. Are those genes not? So the genes that are passed down are genes that know how to survive, and so within that structure of subconsciously understanding how to survive, that gene is passing it down to you. You have to have a community if you want to try and procreate. It's basically a default mode. Mm. So your brain, I suppose, your subconscious brain has a default mode, and that default mode is to be a member of a larger community, because members of a larger community. survive to this point, you know what I mean? To beat the other tribe or whatever it was, or uh, they can manage to they can take all the fucking cows from the other African tribe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that people still fight over nowadays in poorer countries. Uh, resources, during drought is the resource, the water hole. Keep your cattle alive and fuck the other guy. 
Salopia. It's really just a question of how do you tackle these unconscious bias and cultural norms that probably exist within all cultures in all countries, not just here. Like I say, yeah, Irish people can be subconsciously racist, but I suppose that's true for all people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Which is probably a side effect of some form of national identity. If you're raised to have a certain national identity or national pride, then you're obviously going to notice the difference in other people, are you? Yeah. Or are we just a pair of fucking idiots talking shit? No, 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 I think we're on to something here. Maybe the New World Order is right. One race. When you see, here's yeah. the problem with these ideas, right? If I had ultimate power, you had ultimate power over the world. Mm. We would try to push our ideas onto the rest of the world of what we believe is correct and what we believe is the right way to progress into the future. Mm -hmm. Or what we believe is the best for humanity as a whole. So do people always have the best of intentions? But power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm. Like, you know, like if Putin was running the world, would we all be happy? I don't know. We'd be happy to live in a, a world run by the Chinese. It's hard to know. I don't know either. Wasn't well, that this so. sort of idea of a one world order, a one race? How do you have one race and yet still hold on to certain cultures, certain... Um, Traditions, yeah. like different ways of being, and that's kind of like diversity is what makes the human experience beautiful, is that we have all these different uh, little things about us. That like you can go to one place and it's a surprise what you learn there, and then you know, you learn something in Sweden, you learn something in Amsterdam, you learn something in Portugal. You know, wherever you go, you're picking up little different bits. Like for me, that's really... That's one of the most beautiful things about being alive is to discover the the adventure of discovering these little things, you know. So it's like if everything was all um, tempered and brought down to, uh, you know, if there a was mono, no surprise, monoculture, monoculture yeah, yeah. So it's just like ants in an anthill. We yeah. all we carry on the same way. Do you lose certain nuances that certain cultures have? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh, sure we've lost a few already as it's gone, but then. You know. it's, it's like a two French uh, French couple here trying to explain cliché to me once, right? Mm. And our understanding of cliché and the French understanding of cliché is totally different. Okay. And for them, it's it's real, it's tangible. Yeah. And I even though they're trying to explain it to me, the their English wasn't very good. Yeah. So I couldn't really, couldn't get their intention or their meaning properly, even though I knew what they were trying to convey to me. Um. It's like those little nuances, they disappear, wouldn't they? Mm. If we're all in some sort of monoculture. Mm. So then, but what is the future? What is the future? Like, is the mm. future, whether you like it or not, is it a monoculture? 200, what? 300 years time, if humans are still around. What about the Georgia Guidestones? Oh, why Jesus. are they there? Why are they there? Well, look, there's loads of there's theories as to question. why they're there. And I think that... They know who put them there and why, and all this idea who? of, I can't remember, I've seen, the, watched a couple of things on it. Well, his, his pseudonym, the pseudonym he went under was R.C. Christian. Yes, they don't know who the actual person is, like yeah. the physical person, they have beliefs as to who it was. Um, like, like any idea? Can you remember off the top of your head? I can't remember, no. It's Rockefellers? <coughs> can't tell you, can't remember. This idea that there should be only, is it 1.5 billion on the planet Earth? 500 million. 500 million? That's half a billion. That would be killing yeah. off 
13 of every 14 people that are alive right now. Well, look, here's the truth, right? A lot of people won't like this one. I'm all for depopulation. Yeah. Right? But as Bob Geldof talked about, I think, 20 years ago, he was the first one I think I heard speaking about depopulation. He talked about depopulation uh, through contraception. Just not having as much babies. And contraception through education. Yeah. So you try to bring everybody up economically. Yeah. Um, you try to educate everyone. And from there then you uh, try to convince them to have less kids. But then if you look at um, economically affecting wealthy countries, the more people who are working and are more invested in careers to have less kids. Yeah, so and it's a natural thing that happens through education. And and yeah. Well, it just happens from being well off and being invested in your job. Mm. If you work 40 hours a week and your missus is working 40 hours a week, you're probably going to have less kids. Yeah. But poor people have more kids. Yeah. And then some cultures, like a Pakistani friend of mine explained to me that the reason they have kids, so many kids in Pakistan, is that you're reliant on some of the kids taking care of the older people or the, the parents when they get older. Yeah. Because there is no pension, there is no door, there is no social welfare in some countries. Well, so you're relying on having enough kids that some of them will yeah. still be alive and be financially stable and they can take care of you as you're old. But the whole, for me, right, I, I understand the idea and like, yeah, it's a good idea, but we're going well, 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 well past that. Like, there's no way we're going to be able to depopulate the planet through contraception and education now because there's too many of us and we breed like rats. <laughs> there's simply too many of us. Well, and the, really, right, so the yeah. birth rate, there's so too many people So you have to ask born. yourself, yeah. wh where is the birth rate the highest? Well, it's going because to be in poorer the, countries, the, obviously, yeah. Obviously, yeah, because yeah. places like Germany, they have such a poor birth rate that that's why they brought in a million refugees because they need these people to maintain their economy, to do mm. all these jobs, to yeah. maintain the economy, to pay for them as they get older. The population is going to get down to, say we're looking at that figure of 500 million. We're not going to get to that unless uh, we get hit with an asteroid, people get nuked, or we start opening up concentration camps. Or, uh, or a serious virus goes spreading around the world. <laughs> so what do you think? Do you think this so-called coronavirus uh, pandemic, right? Uh, we're just going to say, no, right, well, it's just, not powerful enough. Well, I'm just going to devil's advocate. Yeah, I'm go just going to throw this out there first. We say the coronavirus pandemic, right? If you look at the five-year mortality rate of most countries, total mortality rate, mortality rate in most European countries um, that has been most hit with coronavirus and have had it for the longest um, has not really changed in five years. So that suggests that coronavirus is a type of a flu, and as one dude put it, um, all viruses compete to kill the weakest in society. So that respiratory virus killed off people earlier in the year who would have died at this time of year through influenza, yeah. right? Yeah. So what I'm saying then is, is this what some people believe? believe? These are conspiracies. Here we go, right? With tin foil hat shoes. Um, is this like a trial run to see who would or wouldn't comply? To see who would or wouldn't um, follow the rules? Or then just to see... See, they're building camps in, I don't know if it's true, but I'm seeing this coming up quite a lot. They're building camps in Canada for people who won't comply for the vaccine. Yeah, they're building permanent camps. Uh, I, I don't know, but what I would say is this, right? Not that I, I don't want to interrupt them, but that's like. Go for it, yeah. Um, Czech Republic right now is finding out the hard way that you can't micromanage a, a virus. They had severe lockdowns in the beginning, masks and everything else, they were one of the first virus. And now they're realizing that you can't micromanage a virus because now they're getting heavily hit with it. Right? So, isn't it a case that the matter what? But they had massive lockdowns, did they? They were the first to actually bring in um, 
stringent rules and masks yeah. everywhere. And they had the least problems in the beginning. Mm. But now, obviously, you can't micromanage a virus. You can't contain a virus. Mm. Uh, even if you lock down all your borders and everything else, if it's in and if community transmission hits a certain point. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a certain percentage within community transmission, it's, it, it's going to go through your community one way or another. You cannot stop that, right? So, like, we're just going to say, right, if they came out with a virus in the morning to try and depopulate the planet, Right, well, you can't micromanage it, right? To think that you can protect 500 million people from getting it, and that you're going to be one of that 500 million, mm. or think that that particular virus is not going to mutate, and mm. even though you might have a vaccine that works, that by the time it gets to you, you're going to survive it. I don't know, to be honest. I'm just talking rubbish here. Mm. But, um, I don't think you can micromanage a virus. I don't think you can... The only way to stop a virus in its tracks would be if everyone was 100% compliant and you had a hard lockdown of the whole world for six weeks minimum. And that is utopian shit because you are never going to have 100% compliance. Never. Never. So... Like, we've tried and we've failed. It's just time to, like, you know, have the expert be honest, say, look, like even with that, uh, what was the video there with the doctors, doctors for truth? Is it no doctors? I don't. I know who you, what the one you're talking. The one about. you you shared that I was literally looking at it earlier on today, and the English guy says at the end he's like the doctor who's working for the World Health Organization. He's admitting he panicked, as you would like, because they didn't have a plan in place, you know. And he's now saying lockdowns don't work, and there's a better there's a better way to go about it. But they have to sit and think about it. But look, I was posting about this back in March, right? And you'd find it even on my Facebook where I just refer to it as rabbits with nixomatosis. I was looking at all the different projections and the research. And the guys were talking about mitigation and curves going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, mm. right? And rabbits with nixomatosis. Nixomatosis was designed to sort of kill rabbits and control the population yeah. of rabbits. But what actually happens is the mix, we call it the mix, comes along and it wipes out rabbits nearly. Mm. Probably decimates the numbers down to 5 or 6%. And within a few years, the rabbit population is back up to 100 plus percent, right? If the numbers go crazy again, and then the mix hits them, and it takes down the numbers, and then they come back again. Right? So this is basically what mitigation was going to do. Lockdowns, control a number, you're back to normal, numbers go up, lockdowns, control the number, y you release back up. So it's this up and down bullshit, mm. right, of okay, mitigation. It doesn't work in the long term. No. It doesn't work in the long term. What works in the long term is, uh, realizing number one that we've got off very lucky that this is not as dangerous as we people thought, first thought yeah. um, did it kill a lot of people in March April throughout Europe and the world yes it did uh, is the information coming out now that that seems to have been the height of the pandemic yes it does uh, is there an understanding now that viruses compete to kill the weakest in society and that respiratory virus killed the weakest in society mm. in April rather than those being killed in October, November, December during respiratory flu season. Um, and we'd say the numbers in somewhere like Sweden suggest that to be true because their numbers for the last five years, total mortality rate, haven't really changed. They have less dead this year than they had in 2015. And the number this year is within a 10 or a 15 um, per 100,000 as 2017.
But anyway, depopulation. Depopulation, yeah. Uh, should it happen? Like, we're, we're carrying out genocide in the fucking sea. There ain't gonna be no fish left 2050 if people just keep going on the way they're going. And how do you stop people whose livelihoods depend on fishing, whose kids go to college, who's paying their mortgage, who's paying their insurance, medical we're insurance? Beyond, we're gone beyond the point of no return, in my opinion. We're well past the point of no return now, in my opinion. Now, you're talking about the point of no return, we'll say, for the planet and for food source. Yeah, for fucking... Um, and resources. Yeah, well gone by him. Well, <laughs> we'll just say, right, if they if the manage to get the technology a little bit better, right, in the morning, for petri dish burgers, growing a burger out of a couple of muscle cells. Yeah. If we get to, like, a Star Trek version of, I don't know, what is that, replicator, where basically it replicates food, but this is basically food grown in a lab. Rather than a need for a large herd of animals or to take certain things out. Do you think we're still going? I suppose, look, the problem is really the structure of the world's economy and the work involved in it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you stop all fishermen from fishing? You can't. How do you tell them all, well, look, lads, you're, you shouldn't be doing that anymore? <coughs> How do you tell all farmers work. like we need to get rid of all your sheep cattle? And Just don't, you can't. That's what I'm saying. It's too far past the point of no return. But is this new world order that they're referring to when they're talking about automation killing most 50% of jobs in the next, we'd say, 40 years? Now look, these figures are, are definitely wrong. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, Move. Well, don't, don't trust me on these figures. I'm saying. These are the fact checking shit, right? Mm. So we're at the stage here, right? So we're saying, right, they're talking about automation uh, killing most manual labour jobs in the next 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is. And this is why they're referring to, like, a universal basic income. And about putting a certain amount of money into people's accounts every month just so that they can live, have a certain standard of living. And, like, what's the, what's the goal of all this? What's the 100-year plan mm. for humans? I don't know. And would that work? Because look, as it is, money is basically fake. Like, America is trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, but the Federal Reserve, like the actual physical uh, gold and everything else that the, their currency is based on can't match the amount of money. So they're basically screwed that way. A lot of people believe the whole world's economy is screwed that way. I think it is. Like what Elon Musk says as well about AI is a very interesting one. We summon the demon. Well, it, it, Elon Musk really believes that certain people should be assassinated. That are well, assassinated maybe not, but uh, removed because they're trying to create a singularity, and yeah. the singularity, as he believes it, and others believe, is the most dangerous thing we're facing now into the future. Yeah. Because if you could create an artificial intelligence. A singularity, right? That learns exponentially and becomes somewhat of a god overnight. And then what? So what? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very. I love it. I think it's a very, very, very interesting concept. What Ben Gertzel says as well. It's like fuck. Is he one of these people? <laughs> well, you see, Gertzel has a it's totally reckless. utopian idea of it, right? So his belief. This is from my understanding. Again, I could be wrong. Mm. So from his uh, belief point, I think it's uh, that. 
if a singularity is created that learns exponentially and becomes somewhat of a god overnight, well then it would be able to solve all the problems. Of hunger, poverty, war, disease, space travel, but here's time the travel. Most of those problems could be solved already. Yeah. The problem is humans, power, corruption, greed. Yeah, yeah. greed. Oh, sure, like renewable energy is such a thing like geothermal. I, well, no, tidal power is an amazing Well, most uh, so-called renewable energy is shit. Did you watch that uh, yeah. documentary Michael Moore did on it? No. And I don't even like Michael Moore very much. But basically, when he looks at, we say, solar power, wind power, all of these things, right? And the fact that they're not reliable and you need an actual um, resource for energy, whether it's carbon-based or whatever else to back it up, right? And uh, these things don't like being switched on and off the whole time, whether it's um, a coal plant or whatever else, right? That really and truly, these things are not renewable and they're not green energy. Like a windmill is not green energy because the amount of energy involved in building the windmill, putting up the windmill, putting in the concrete, and then the windmill only lasts for a certain number of years, and mm. then it's not even energy efficient to remove that windmill. But is it due to a lack of funding because of the corporations in power who... Um, how much right, so how much diesel do you think it takes to take all these minerals out of the ground from machinery going up and down, drilling, then the process? then to transport these things, then to actually create these things in factories, and the energy that goes into creating these things and developing them, and then putting them all together, and then transporting them to a site to build your yeah. fucking windmill on, and to put the concrete in, and you have to remember all that sand and gravel and cement had to be dug out of the ground as well, which caused energy both in diesel and everything else, and then, uh, and then the actual fact that the windmill, when it knocks off, it has to be backed out up with some sort of carbon-based energy whether it's coal or something else, and that in itself is not technically green or renewable. No. And then when the fucking thing uh, becomes obsolete, they don't even, it's not worthwhile to take them down or try to recycle them, because the energy involved in doing that. The only renewable energy right now is nuclear. The yeah. only green energy right now in the world is nuclear, right? And people are afraid of nuclear because of Fukushima and, and fucking Chernobyl. Chernobyl, right? People are afraid of mm. it. But obviously those uh, nuclear power plants, they had no turn-off plan. They didn't know how to switch them off. They, they, I don't know what they thought. They probably thought, oh, we'll get smarter in the future. We'll figure out how to turn these off. But then when you had a meltdown where the actual core keeps melting down into the earth, keeps burning down, burning down, burning down, right? Where there's no yeah. switch off. Yeah. Right. But the, the modern nuclear power plants have a way to switch off, have a way to knock off. And then there's the idea of <coughs> using the likes of fucking Elon Musk's rockets to remove fucking... Uh, nuclear waste into space and maybe send it into the sun. So Why would you send it into the sun? Oh, just destroy just it. Just to get rid of it complete, right. completely. Not to have it floating around mm. up there anywhere. Right. Just to remove it completely, get rid of it. So, but how hard would it be to convince people to say in Leitrim, right, that we want to put a nuclear power plant up? How hard would it be to convince the Irish public that a nuclear power plant is the most green, most efficient, uh, and the most renewable energy now, right now in the world. Mm. It's interesting. That if you want to help going forward, that this is the first step you need to take. Anybody who believes an electric car is green is polluted because the amount of lithium you need to take out of the ground, the amount of mining and again energy resource going into it, how long does that battery last? Like mm. the hydrogen vehicle is probably more suitable, which basically means it runs on water, H2O. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But then if you can have a vehicle running on water, no, no oil company's going to want that. No. This is what we're getting back to. Is it oil company companies stopping us looking into different types of renewable energy? Like you're saying, no. I think overall. Is there other? I is there other avenues? I think overall it's just the economy. The way the economy yeah. stays throughout the world, and our reliance on mm. certain work, certain energy, and certain uh, life. Uh, Ashwin, how are you? Hey man, how's it going? Right. Come on in for a second here, Ashwin. Come on in. Get one minute. Our man from Mauritius. With the tea that's delicious. There you go. Just create a poem for it. Just create a poem for it. We're, we're recording a podcast. Flick that screen there. Just flick that. And then come over here. I don't. Do you want to say hello? No, no, no. Right. No. Just in case somebody recognizes you, look. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're as bad as I am, Ashwin. You don't like your photo being taken. I don't, I don't, I don't. I stopped telling the guy here one day. Ashwin comes in and starts taking photographs. I'm like, hey. And I see that's, I see that's my parents. I said that. Right? I stopped him here. I think it was later that day or the next day. I said, hey, why are you taking photographs of me? Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? I was I tell my parents uh, outside how it is here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Paranoia, and then the next day I said, I said that to my parents. I said, you know, the guy next door said that to me. Was I taking his picture? <laughs> Little video chat, right? was it? I don't know what it was. That was it. I think the video of me. I wasn't impressed. That's just my paranoia. It's just like, what the fuck? But yeah, you're just getting back to yeah, but look, it's all this down to this, isn't it? The world's economy is all based on a certain thing right now. Uh, coronavirus is showing you how um, people are willing to risk safety for freedom. Because at the end of the day, we all need to live. We all need to pay our bills. Risk liberty for freedom, is it? Or uh, risk liberty for safety. Get, yeah. rid of, get rid of the safety. Risk and safety for, for their freedom. Like, uh, if they turn around and say to you, right, you're safe if you stay home. Mm. But yet, you can make a free choice and go out and work in the world yeah. and risk getting something that may or may not kill you or your parents. Mm. Think right? we're going so out and working. That's the premise behind COVID, even though we're not, now we understand it's not so dangerous. So which one, what are people choosing right now? People are choosing to live. People are choosing to resist now. People are choosing to say, fuck you, fuck your plan, and fuck your idea. Right? I can't um, continue on this way and be impoverished and ruin the future for any idea of the future I had for my kids. Because, like, what are we doing it for? Like, why the fuck do I come in to work every day? It's obviously to give my kids a better opportunity than I had. That's the reality of it. Am I w willing to risk my uh, safety to uh, con continually, we say, provide for their future? Yeah, I fucking will. Mm -hmm. Of course I will. So, what is the crack? That is the question. How do you, is this all part of this new idea that people have? This is the New World Order, the Great Reset, whatever they want to call it. It's like if you follow Ivor Cummins, the uh, Fat Emperor on Twitter. The hashtag is, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? In one interview, he did say that um, it's not a conspiracy when these people, the WHO, and certain economic um, powers in the world are stating why they're doing it and why they want it done. Yeah, me, me I, I don't like this thing, you know why? Which it's thing? Not, it's not about me. It's about uh, so my ex-family, you know. 
Right. Because I've been, I've been hanging out with them. I've been, I, I went to all the funerals and everything, you know. So what if someone see the uh, people say, oh, he was best friend with them and all that? They have like loads of people who hate them, yeah. like enemies, you know. Yeah, because yeah, because it's guilt by association. You know, it's, yeah. It's like we say with the Hutch Keenan feud up in Dublin, guilt by association. If you're associated with one of them, you know, you it, are a target. Okay, even you're just a friend. Just say hello. Yeah. Next day, bang. I'm sure I have the same. You know, I have the same thing really. Like I'm friends with some people who have been targeted. You know what I mean? And then so I, I have to sort of, I don't worry about it, and mm-hmm. I'm not afraid because you can't worry about these things. Yeah, yeah. It's like people but, up the north or people in, mm-hmm. in in war areas like Iraq. You can still go out and play soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You can't live your life in fear. No, 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 no. But no, it's no, just no. look. Obviously, you're trying to say is look, yeah, but you're not going to put yourself at risk either. You you're know, not gonna, you're not going to present yourself as a target. Mm-hmm. You're I, not going to have it known into the world, well, this is where I am, you come know, and get me. And I, I used to only party with them, I go everywhere they go, you know. They don't know that, hey, this guy is just a family member with them, you know. Yeah. If remember when we went to the funeral? They wouldn't care, anyway. At the end they of the don't, day, they don't, they don't, don't, don't care. Look, they won't. You know, most of these guys to go around doing these things, mm-hmm. that gang related, are off their heads on coke or alcohol. Yeah. It ain't that easy for these people to just walk in stone sober and fucking pull the trigger mm-hmm. that's the difference between i suppose what to refer to as a professional hitman yeah. and just this average guy who's going to do the mm-hmm. job the professional hitman is obviously a guy who can just walk in clinically and do it bang bang yeah whether he's ex-army ex-special mm-hmm. forces but some of the boys in dublin that's 15 16 17 years old they are compared yeah. to the professional they know how to do the job really because done. they've been doing it for so long the friends, the father, the cousin, you they know, grow up in it, like. rub the cows, these gods, the fire is gone, you know. In Ireland, there's so many people that killed, no one knows, like, sad, like, very sad. Is it sad? It's sad, How man. many people get killed in Mauritius? Not much. Did you? Not Mauritius is tiny, man, I was it's looking at it. The last person who got shot or killed in Mauritius, maybe fucking 50, 60 years, there's no murder. Oh, there there's was, no there was an Irish couple that went uh, to the Mauritius. guy killed him. <laughs> She got married again, she had a girl, everything. You believe her husband like, killed her. Husband. They say that it was two guys in Mauritius were charged for it. No, no, no. <laughs> they, say it was the, they say it was the people working in the hotel no, that no, killed no, her. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you see, that's national pride and national identity. He doesn't want to say it. He doesn't want to admit that people have died in Mauritius. Well, no, he doesn't want to admit that we'd say a tourist was killed in Mauritius by somebody from Mauritius. Fair enough. But just, hey. <laughs> You can be killed by anybody anywhere at any time. You just have to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, meet the wrong person. It doesn't affect your national identity. <laughs> no, how bad are people in general? We're nuts. We are nuts, aren't we? Yeah. But yeah, so we'd say is the great reset that they refer to is it is it a good thing? Is is a new world order a good thing because we can't continue on the way we're going? I don't know. I don't think either of us will see it. Oh, hey, you're what? You're under 30? Mm. You'll see it. You'll see it. When my mother was born, I don't think they had ESB, electricity. Yeah. Probably had to have a radio. They didn't even have a TV. She's still alive. You've got satellites flying around. You've Elon Musk sending rockets up and down willy-nilly. It can come and go. There's no such thing as dumping them when you're finished anymore. And you think <laughs> in, she can talk to her, her daughter, my sister, in America on a phone. I'd see yeah. her in real time. It's magic. Like, if you told someone that two, three hundred years ago, that's magic. Yeah, that's witchcraft. Yeah. 
But it is, it is essentially magic. Like it's just we don't look at it that way because it's normalized, you know. Where to what, do, what do you what do you define magic as? Because to be able to do something like that to make a person to send the vibrations from one part of the world to another via a device, it's the same as like a look like what well, would the witch's ball. Do you want me to tell you what my definition of magic is? Go for it. It's mm. something that's outside the realm of physics. Mm. Okay, right, right. So outside the realm of physics. everything that we have is within the realm physics of physics. Yeah. Because physics have allowed us to have these things. Like if it wasn't for what's his name, the dude in the chair. But that's a Newtonian scientific point? version of definition of magic. But if you went back to an ancient culture and you asked them what their definition of magic was, and they didn't even have the conceptualization of physics or have science, then they're it's magic to them. <coughs> you know. But the I do understand what you're saying. But you not wait, so do you think that Socrates or yeah. the Greek guy that figured out the circumference of the earth or that Arabian scholars who came up with mathematics mm. or, or Asian Chinese scholars with mathematics, right? Mm. Didn't have a concept of physics. Yeah, well I'm sure they did. Because yeah. I don't understand maths, which yeah. maths is a language. Yeah. But then what was their definition but of But if you had a time if you time travelled back and slapped an iPhone ten in front of him and told him he could ring fucking... Um, yeah, he wouldn't know how it works. Yeah, of course. The truth yeah. is, me and you don't know how it works either. No, I have no really. idea. Like if, if, <laughs> if you gave me an old fucking tape recorder and asked me to reverse engineer it, I wouldn't have a fucking clue. No. You know what I mean? Back to the Bob Lazar thing, drop a, a nuclear power plant back 500 years ago, they wouldn't have a fucking clue. That's me with a tape recorder right now. Mm. Show me your finger, there's a touch on your finger and it was done, wasn't there? Which one was it? That? I'll do that one, but there was something else. There was a. You did that one there. This one here. Ah, okay, yeah. So, which one did you point out on your thumb, was it? Just a little bit at the top of the thumb, yeah. Sure. So, what you have here is two idiots talking shit. As Neil deGrasse Tyson put it, eh, we know enough to think we're right, but yeah. not enough to know we're wrong. Yeah. So, we're skirting around topics here the last couple of hours. That we actually don't really know enough about. Literally, just to have an informed opinion. We're literally dipping the toes in. We're just talking the superficial knowledge, talking shit about subjects that sound good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, yeah. Yeah. But at least we're willing to think about them. Yeah, but it's good though that we're bouncing, like, cause you could stay on AI there. Like, I'd go deep on AI if I could. But for why not? We both could stay on AI, but at the end of the day, we would just prove how stupid we are because we don't know enough about it. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. All we're going to end up talking about is our fears. Um, do we really have those fears or are we conveying the fears of others? Like Elon Musk is afraid of AI because Elon Musk makes a great argument why you should be afraid. And now we're going to sit here and repeat it. And be afraid. But it's not really our thoughts. We didn't come up with this. Yeah. It was his that were listen to believe and regurgitate as far as like the Gautzel believes that if he creates AI it'll be, be, yeah, it'll be yeah. benevolent whereas fucking Musk is sort of thinking AI is going to be like fucking Terminator it's going to look at humans like a virus and remove us it's the flip of a coin isn't it yeah. it's the flip of a coin what was it? You remember Friedman? Is it Lex Friedman? Yeah. We only know all these people really because of the Joe Rogan podcast, right? And Rogan has a lot to answer for for the amount of podcasts, including this one. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's not to answer for, for we'll say, even the conversations we're having because a lot of these people have been introduced to us through him, which, hey, is obviously a good thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's why he's worth 100 million plus. But, um, mm -hmm. but Friedman reckons, his Friedman's idea of it is basically sooner or later humans are going to create AI. Sooner an AI will say that is a singularity. So his attitude is, well, why not me? Why can't I be the one that creates it? Why can't I be the one who discovers it if it's not created, if you want to put it that way? Why can't he be the one that comes true with it? Because whether it happens now, 50 years time, 100 years time, 1,000 years time, sooner or later, it's going to happen. That's their thought process. That's it, yeah. Rather be a part of it than just fucking, you know, a bystander. Yeah. See, let me check this hand. Look, again, as you said, we're dipping the toes in the shit we know nothing about. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just standard human fears, isn't it? I'm, I'm uh, optimistic about AI. Are you optimistic about AI? What about the time, was it there was two, was it two AIs on Facebook or somewhere that were... Well, they were commu communicating with each other. Yeah. And nobody understood what they were saying to each other, what communication they were having. Yeah, they started so making their own language. For safety's sake, they just knocked both of them off. Mm. But that's going to happen again. It could have happened again already. It could yeah, be happening right, right now. now yeah. Who's to say that there's not fucking Chinese fucking programs working away there that we don't understand? Maybe the Chinese believe that there's some control over it. Maybe their algorithms are fucking bouncing around constantly through social media and maybe they're the ones that are uh, subconsciously controlling our thoughts mm. our thought processes that are true our nar the narratives that we're fucking believing in you know what I mean so really what we should have discussed here was probably something fucking relevant like tattooing how'd you get into tattooing yeah. what's How the long process behind it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking crap about we've, this is like Brendan Shaw with Joe Rogan yeah bro science <laughs> for science, yeah. For fuck's sake. Uh, it's always fun though. Armchair psychology. Yeah. Uh, talking about issues that do they or don't they actually concern us? And are they going to affect our actual lives? They do concern us. They do. As human beings, we have a right to talk about whatever we want. Well, certain things definitely do concern us. Uh, killing all the fucking fish in the sea concerns us. Global warming concerns us. Renewable energy that's not actually renewable. That's actually a fucking fake fucking idea, green energy. When the only real safe and renewable energy is nuclear. That concerns us. How do you convince people that nuclear is the best way forward? That the nuclear power plants of today are not like the ones previous? You're still trying to convince me because Fukushima... Well, Fukushima is one of those where the, 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 there was no off on it. They didn't know how to knock it off. Did they, they not? No, they but was it not that uh, tsunami, regardless of whether they were able to knock it off or not, that Mother Nature hit it with a fucking giant wave? Okay, okay so Mother Nature is coming at you. Yeah. You hit it off. You, you have um, a half an hour, 20 minutes yeah. warning. Hit a switch, knock it off. Yeah. Okay, so it was like. Now, obviously, it's not going to switch off straight away, but you know what I mean? There's a process. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or should these things, like, look, Japanese culture has, from my understanding, has this fucking... Within their culture, they're really stuck on what's in Armageddon. If you look at any of their cartoons or movies and everything, mm. it, this concept of Armageddon is within their psyche. 
because they live on a fake in, it's thousands or hundreds of islands, not sure, could be wrong with thousands, hundreds of little islands scattered after, as a result of, we'll say, a huge amount of volcanic activity. Mm. Then you have, we'll say, from Nagasaki, Hiroshima, the uh, natural disasters, whether it's volcanoes, tsunamis, and everything throughout their history, have this sort of culture in their head, this association with Armageddon. Mm. Like folk. They're, they're going to be fucked over somewhere like that. But should you really be putting a, a nuclear power plant somewhere where it's unstable, we'll say, environmentally? Probably not. Probably not, no. no. Should you put a nuclear power plant somewhere in, in the Midwest of America where it could be hit by a tornado? No. Should you put one somewhere? In, I know we've got no... Um, do we have any? We don't have any tectonic plates that are loose around Ireland that could cause a big No, obviously the reason Ireland and England, as far as I'm aware, is separate from Europe is because there is a tectonic plate here somewhere. Okay. So there could, that could happen someday, could it? Fair enough. I don't know. Right. But then you have to ask yourself, like, where is the safest places to put nuclear plants? On Mars. <laughs> well, where there's the least amount of fucking problems yeah. through environment, isn't it? East Africa. Nice. So are we wrapping up? Yeah, yeah. just yeah. give me a second to bleed. You're not really bleeding, are you? No, not really. No, it was just a shedding. I'm going to home and inject my dog, my diabetic dog. We've got 20 minutes. Nine o'clock. Roughly. Yeah, well. Give or take. I actually inject her at half nine. Yeah. But I try to. I have nine o'clock in my head. Just to get you. Just to make sure that I'm there in time. Because we need to keep her in her injections and her food and everything fucking the same consistent. If it's not consistent, then she has issues. There. See that? Let me Yeah. Your Berber tattoos. Berber. Do with your African heritage. Do with the African heritage, yeah. Lovely. So is that that? I just have to wrap you up. No, I mean for the podcast, we'll say thanks for tuning in, listening to some shit talk. Absolute shit talk for a couple yeah. hours of two people who know nothing. We know absolutely nothing, but at least we know we know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cheers, man.